Chapter 4 of the Complete Works of Braun the Iconoclast, Volume 1, by William Cowper Braun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Brett Boone. Chapter 4 A Story of the Sea. There have been mortals, favorites of the gods, to whom it was given to understand the language of the lower animals, and such I have ever envied, for beast and bird have seen and heard that which man knoweth not. Never could I get beyond an imperfect knowledge of their alphabet, enabling me to spell out here and there a word of little meaning. But the great ocean's never-ceasing speech was ever plain to me, and many a midnight hour I have paced the cool sands that girt my island home, and listened with reverential awe to the secrets it whispered, to the sensuous southern breeze that kissed its bosom. Strange stories of wreck and wrath, wild wars and desperate deeds mingle with those of love and honor, shame and sacrifice, crowded upon each other like specters in a dream. One night, when the new moon hung like a silver crescent pendant from Venus' flaming orb, in the summer sky, thick inlaid with patines of pure gold, I heard the lazy waves breaking like slumberous thunder upon the long, low beach, and said, The sea is calling me, and I went. Far out upon the long pier, where the waves could dash their spray like a shower of cool pearls in my face, I lingered long and listened to a story sad and strange as a sweet-voiced woman telling in a foreign tongue and punctuating with tears and sighs a tale of true love turned awry upon the beach they walked in days that seemed to man long long ago how brief and strange the little lives of men and so beset with customs framed to cramp the heart and curse the soul before its time. To me, here since time began to build that bridge of sighs and tears that link the two eternities, it seems but yesternight that, hand in hand, they wandered here, so wrapped in happiness born of equal love that they heeded not my glories spread forth to tempt their praise i curled my snowy spray about their feet flashed back the silver beams of harvest moon in one long shimmering sheet of mellow light rolled waves of brilliant phosphorescence that seemed like silver billows diamond-studded breaking on a beach of gold and sang the sweetest odes of the poets of ten thousand years but they heard nor saw aught but the beating of their hearts in the holy rhythm and the love-light flaming like fires celestial in each other's eyes 
a nun, bare-armed, bare-limbed, shamed, yet happy, they sought the wave, and I cradled them on my bosom, and heard them whisper of laws defied, and cruel customs set at naught, and the higher law of love, but fearful, she spoke, and sighed, yet clung the closer to him, as though the earth and sea contained but one perfect model of a man, and that were he. Hour by hour they hovered near me, and a thousand times she swore to him that their lives were so intertwined that separation were death to her, and kissed his lips, his eyes, his hands, and wished she were his wife, that they might blazon to the great round world the love they fain would hide from the heaven. One little year went by, and they came again, not walking hand in hand. He spoke to her, and she answered with bitter scorn. He touched with trembling lips upon the old days, when love was lord of their two lives, but she mocked at love and him, and bade him leave her. Then he that was wont to rule first learned to sue, and vainly, for her heart was cold as the ashes of long-forgotten kings, cruel as wintry winds blown across icy northern seas. It is a guilty love, she said, and he looked at her as if doubting that he heard, then turned and went like one that dreamed, for thought of wrong to her had dwelt not with him. He had but worshipped her, as devout Sabian might the sun and host of heaven. Again he came, but he was all alone. Long and lonely he paced the dreary beach beneath the wintry sky until the cold mists seemed changed to mellow light, the stormy sky to one of summer, gemmed by myriad stars and queened by harvest moon the cool winds sweeping o'er the barren waste to music and the merry laughter of men and maids, and she was by his side, her lovelit eyes making the blood dance through every vein. He put forth his hand to her, but the sky changed from gold to lead. The driftweed blew about his feet, the cold mist settled down upon him and crept with icy fingers into his heart and he cursed the lying vision, and shrieking wind, the cold mist, and the leaden sky, cursed the day that he first saw her, and said to the waves that tumbled at his feet, I must be mad. The curse of my race hath fallen upon me. Else why do I see that which is not, hear voices that are far away, why do I cherish the image of a fickle woman who swept along by a gust of passion or sickly sentiment, thought for a day she loved me, but did not, nor ever loved aught in life but her own selfish self? And he called her name to the wind and waves, but coupled with it a curse, deep and bitter, as those that burst in sulphur breath from parched lips of the damned, 
A voice came back from out of the gloom that seemed to mock him, furious as a demon disturbed at some hellish rite. He turned and shrieked to the mocking voice and bade it come to him that he might wreak upon its owner such vengeance as would appall the world. The far lights shone like pale ghosts of light through the driving mist, and in them loomed two weird forms that seemed a hundred cubits high. Furious he rushed upon them and smote them down upon the wet sand and trampled them and stove with feet and hands to kill, but they cried out for mercy on their lives, that they were honest fishermen who, hearing a cry, but faintly above the roaring waves, had answered it, thinking some boatman might have met mishap and called for aid. The flood of anger spent in blows. He helped them up, wiped the blood and sand from their bronze faces, gave them his scant purse, and bidding them drink a bumper that hell fiends might drag him from the world before the morn, sent them on their way. The gray dawn found him sleeping with his face upon the wet sand, once trodden by feet that now trampled on his heart. Then I sent waves, cool and sweet, to kiss his cheek, and he awoke, and waking, said, Kisses for me? They are cold, great Mother Ocean, but not so cold as love burned out, leaving but the bitter ashes of contemptuous pity. I dreamed that I was afloat upon thy bosom, with her I did so dearly love, and thou wast bearing us beneath the sunset sky to a fair island, fringed with palms and musical, with songs of birds and rippling springs, where we too should live forever, that as we floated thus love's goddess descended from a golden cloud and opening the white bosom of my bride yet not my bride took thence her heart and pressed from it a black drop that fell upon the molten sea and taking form became a hideous monster that cried my name is selfishness and vanished in the waves then breathing upon the cold heart ethereal flame that made it throb like a hero's pulse when trumpets are blown for war. She replaced it, healed with a snowy globe, with a touch, and smiling upon me, was caught into the golden cloud that seemed framed of music and the perfume of a thousand flowers. A round arm stole about my neck, and we floated heart to heart, on the haven that was to be our haven. A curse upon your briny waters that seem a world of bitter tears, rank with dead men's bones and the rotting hulls of ships. They have called me back to thy dreary, ever-moaning verge to mock myself for loving one who scorns, for wasting my hot heart upon a block of frozen stone hoping by foolish prayers and unmanly tears to move the gods to breathe into it the breath of human life, to prevail even as did that old Greek 
who became enamored of a statue, less divinely formed, but with the self-same heart. Tis madness leads me to this folly, the old, old curse that hath hung about our house like a bayful shadow for thrice a hundred years, bursting at times into bloody feuds without apparent cause, and dreadful mutinies against the laws of man and will of God. Tis vain to further fight with fate. Twill drag me down, even as it did my great-grandsire, who climbed fame's dizzy heights and stood poised in mid-heaven, the master-mind of Britain's mighty world. Then, like a tall mountain, pine-blasted at the top by the writhen bolts of God, plunged, a falling star, to the depths of everlasting darkness, and died a decade before his death. Nor iron will descended through my sire from a scorn of barbarous kings, nor mother's prayerful amulets woven like golden threads through every low, sweet lullaby that soothed my infancy can avail me aught. I can but fight and fall. She might have helped me beat back the shadows, but would not, and tis well. Then, taking from a case a withered rose, he kissed it and cast it far out upon the wave, watched it dance there and said with a bitter smile, the last link that binds me to other days, and it is broken. The wage of sin is death, and I am dead. These long months passed in fathoms deep in hell, yet walk the earth because nor land nor sea will yield a resting place among its honored dead to one so ignobly slain. End of chapter 4 a Story of the Sea Recorded by Brett Boone